Hey everybody, it's Greg. I'm really interested in what all of you want to hear more about. So, if you have more suggestions for the show, if you have people you want me to reach out and interview, please feel free to reach out at greg at open-loops.com. That's greg at open-loops.com. And if you enjoy this show, you want it to keep going on, you're having fun, please feel free to subscribe and Apple podcast and rate and leave a review. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. You know that old joke, don't you? What do you get when you cross an ENFP with an INTJ? You don't know this one? It's so simple. You get an hour and 15 minute interview with a musical recording artist and producer that, uh, well, let me just put it this way, ranges from topics that include Cardi B's naughty bits all the way through explicit disclaimers on your online dating profile that blatantly point out, yes, indeed, honey, I am a goddess. It's all here. Jessie Jordan, she brings the fun on an all-new Open Loops Conversations That Bend. I consider it an affront to my family that you haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Okay, let me let me just lay this out for you. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And, and get this, okay? Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money, moolah from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Open Loops Conversations That Bend. We are talking a theme park for your ears. This is where your intellect and imagination meet up, share a funnel cake, ride the cyclone, maybe hit up the Ferris wheel, and end up smooching on the tunnel of love. That's right. We're talking all mind-bending conversations, hypnosis, art, secrets, conspiracies, all the things that make you go, I want to know more about that. Jesse Jordan was one of those people. Jesse Jordan uh, said, hey, look, I've worked in the music industry. I've done stuff with Beyonce, Pink, uh, Jessica Simpson, I've been in the room with top-level people, and I myself am a recording artist, and I want to talk about my experiences in life, in the industry, love, romance. And I said, Jesse, we need to talk ASAP. What did this conversation end up becoming? It is, I mean, we're going from cancel Netflix to, you know, my projections on Miley Cyrus's personality. Uh, We even get into the Taylor Swift secret, as well as I ask that age-old question about the influence of the Illuminati and Hollywood. It's all very interesting. At least it was fun for me. I hope Jesse had a great time. 
I really enjoyed having her on. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you podcaster, recording artist, musical producer, and a whole lot of other things that I'm going to list off several times in this episode because she does it all. Creative entrepreneur, Jesse Jordan. We have Jesse Jordan on the Open Loops podcast, music producer, songwriter, recording artist, author, podcaster, so many credentials. I am I, I'm honored to have someone so qualified on the show. Thanks for coming. Aw, thank you for having me. I'm just a person, most of the time anyway, I think. Yeah. Humanoid, you, I like to say. Humanoid. Do you have one of those, do you, do you ever like... Uh, I mean, do you think there there could be an overall encompassing term for those like five things you have listed? Sure, like creative entrepreneur would be one. Creative entrepreneur. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Multi potentialite, which is I've been all my life. Like the things that I've professionally done, kind of pale in comparison to things I've actually done in my life. So definitely a multi potentialite polymath. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? You definitely uh, you're good with like the like the uh, abstract labels for things. Oh, you think so? Well, I think being a person who could who was interested in so many things and could do so many things well, and feeling like a fish out of water because of it, I had to search for meaning in that. And I mentioned to you, I think that I'm an INTJ. So if you know anything about Meyer Briggs indicator types and that specific one, one of the sort of trademarks of an INTJ, which I don't wholeheartedly agree with, but the saying is Jack of all trades, master of none. Right. For INTJs though, it's Jack of all trades, master up until a certain point that we feel satisfied with. And then we're bored, so we move on. That's right. Technically true. <laughs> yes, yes. You know what? I, I did see I, I saw you tweeted something about this, and I was gonna definitely ask you about this. Um, about how you thought that people who have Myers Briggs do well with the same exact Myers Briggs sign in relationships. Yeah. Is I... that really true? I mean, I got ENFP, I took that 16 personalities test. Yeah. I got that. I mean, first of all, do you agree with that assessment? I know you've listened to the show a little bit and you sort of have like this vague idea of who I am. Um, so does ENFP sound right, A? And then B, like, should I be looking for that? Uh, a, I can definitely tell you the E and the N are super there. So yes, that part I would agree with. I'd have to talk to you a little bit more to see where the F and P falls in. But hmm. 16personalities.com test if you took that one that one is the most accurate so don't take like the facebook ones if you guys are listening or the random ones you see on the side of something yeah go to 16personalities.com that's the closest to actually going in for an exam and being you know professionally tested yeah. yeah. Why do you think people with similar Myers-Briggs types, imper- like like this kind of goes against, uh, uh, 
well, first of all, the track. Don't yes. say it. I hate well, that. Well, I was going to say, like, what is that? And I'm sure you bring this up. I mean, you have a podcast called Love Talk Tuesday. You talk about with your friends and other people in the industry. And, you know, I'm, but I do think it's like mostly your friends. Come on. It, it's, it's pretty fun. Pre- ple- um, it's a pleasure to listen to. It's pretty fun because you've got like, you're going on Instagram live. People are te- asking real questions and you're kind of delving into these things. Uh, what, what's wrong with like opposites attracting, you think? Okay. So I don't think there's something wrong with it if you just like friction. If you like friction, if that turns you on, if that's your thing, then maybe picking someone who's your opposite is something that works for you. I've just found that it personally doesn't work for me, nor my personality type, my Myers-Briggs indicator type. Because it's like when you have, say, okay, so they say, ENFPs actually are a match for INTJs. That's the theory. Right. My ex that I had been with for over a decade was an ENFP. And for me, it was infuriating <laughs> because we are opposites in every way. Where I'm wow. an introvert. First of all, let, let me define introvert and extroversion because that's Yeah, sure, important. sure. So most people think introvert people are introverted people are shy. Um, which can be the case, um, to think that we just don't like other humans, which also can be the case. But introversion isn't about those things. It is about where you draw your energy from. So introverts mm. typically draw their energy from being alone, from doing isolated activities like reading or writing or creating music or painting or crafting totally. helping. That's where we come alive. That's where we recharge. Whereas extroverts recharge by the interaction with other people. So they feed off each other's energy or the energy of other humans in the room. So that is a major difference already in how you're going to live your life. Because as an introvert, I want to stay home and read. Yes. And I want to learn about 45 different things that I didn't know. Like today, for instance, I'm dating another INTJ now. So today, for instance, he and I had a conversation about the difference between crows and ravens. And so we looked it up and began to discuss, oh, their beaks have a shape difference. They have black beaks. There is also two subspecies of crows that have yellow beaks that live in the high mountains of Spain. Like for us... That is our morning conversation. That was a fulfilling afternoon for you. That or exactly. like a yes, yes, wow. Exactly. So for him and I, who share that same Meyer Briggs indicator type, who are both introverted, spending a couple of like a half an hour or so diving deep into the difference between ravens and crows, which to most people would be boring AF. For us, yes. it's thrilling because now we have another level of knowledge in our minds. And that's exciting. But for other people, that would not be exciting. Imagine he was an ENFP for a second. Imagine he was an E and you wanted to have this conversation. How would that have played out differently? Oh, he would have changed the subject. I told you my ex was an ENFP. So he would have changed the subject, been bored in five minutes. Well, he, my, my boyfriend now, he, he's the one that posed the question. So he never, that question never would have come up. He never would have asked. You know, I yeah. would have gotten a beautiful picture of a crow walking around the riverbanks in Switzerland had that been. Yes. Me. But it's, 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 I feel 
the Meyer Briggs can really help people understand each other. Because if you understand the person you're dealing with on a level that they themselves might not even understand, that makes for much better communication. And communication is the thing that either makes or breaks a relationship. So for instance, my sister, she is an ESFJ. So her and I have the same birthday. We're sisters, not twins, but we have the same birthday. She was born on my birthday. But her and I have never gotten along. She has sort of these traditional ideals. She, believe li- she believes life goes a certain way. Like you get, you, you get born, you go to school, you get married, you have kids, you get the house, you get the car. That's your life. I would rather do 45 different occupations, love yeah. what I do, not know where I'm going to live next year, switch from, I went to engineering school and I became a music producer and I wrote a poetry book and then I would rather. I know you have so many, you you have like a book on skincare. Like what? I do. This is my thing. I'm a creator. So for me, that one single narrow path that she believes that life is supposed to be would drive me insane. But her being an ESFJ, that's part of their makeup. That's part of their personality and they really strongly believe these things and not only that when they're a little underdeveloped they believe everyone should live this way <laughs> and they yes. try to impose those points of view on other people as if something is wrong with other people and they're the ones who are right and you have a lot of personality types who have this kind of thing but if we all just understood that we're born different and could respect each other's differences and understand. Think about how much better the world would be. Families could get along better when there's a greater understanding of the individuality, of the way of someone's brain is basically chemically and physically wired and how they really work, what really makes them tick. Wow. Yeah. I I have an idea for a concept album now of like you doing songs for (laughs) variety of Myers-Briggs. There's a bunch of YouTube videos that you can find where like one guy plays every single personality type in these different scenarios, like an INTJ. Really? Yes. You have to, once you go down the rabbit hole, you're going to just like live there forever. And what's really interesting is that I was already into MBTI before I met my current boyfriend and we met on a dating site and normally what I do is I send guys this link to what it is how it is to date an INTJ woman and the reason I do this is because you know INTJs make up only two percent of the whole population and women are 0.08 percent so there are so few of us that when someone encounters us, they don't know what they're getting into. Like the logic, yeah. the analyt- analytical mind, how we operate, they don't get it. Because a lot of guys think all women are the same, which by the way, we're not, just in case you guys are listening and wondering. So they think that. So in order to <laughs> right. save myself, because INTJs love efficiency, <laughs> I save myself the time. I usually send guys this little link that I found online about what it's like to day and night INTJ woman. And I know within, you know, five seconds, whether he's actually going to read it. If he doesn't read it, I know it's never going to work. If you're not a oh reader, my gosh. And 
if you don't reply to me, then I just saved myself like all this work and trouble. Is that the strategy? Look, here's what here I, I'm wondering, like, have I encountered, first of all, have I encountered you on like okay cupid before A? But B no. <laughs> based <laughs> based on and the reason I'm saying that is this. Um, are you one of those people that like I don't know your approach to online dating, but I've definitely seen the like disclaimer approach especially on okcupid okcupid and and i'm guessing this happens on like more match.com and these kind of places where you're able to lay out a like paragraphs about information versus like that quick hit tinder profile kind of thing where it's like all you can do is list like five key buzzwords and like try to like get them in but on these other dating apps like you have the opportunity to really lay out every single expectation you have, how you should be treated, how you should, uh, how you look for somebody in a relationship, what's going to be a waste of your time. Like I've seen some women in my encounters doing online dating who really, really break it down ahead of time. Do you do that? No. So you kind of like, you kind of lure them in a little bit and (laughs) the article. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) To be honest with you, um, the dating site we met on is an international dating site. And the only thing I had on my profile was one picture and oh. that a music producer living in LA. That is all. That is all that was there. I kind of love that. I bothered to, to fill it out, really. It was just like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> this is me. This is what I do. And if you want more, inquire with it. You know, that's basically my approach. Because I feel like people who put out all that disclaimer stuff, they're really putting out their bitterness yes. right there. So in a yes. way, it's kind of good that some people do that because you're like, if you're this bitter already, we don't even need to get started. Like, yes. Go to therapy first and then <laughs> go online. Yes, yes. I had someone, I saw someone on OkCupid that was like, I am a goddess and I want to be treated like this. And here, like she actually was advertising herself as like, you need to treat me like a goddess and here's right. what I need run i mean don't get me wrong i am a goddess and you do need to treat me that way but <laughs> but you don't you, lead with that you can you're gonna know that when we interact like <laughs> i don't need to tell you that if you're smart and you really want this then you know what to do i don't have to explain it to you, you do you I mean? do, do you find that do you find that you uh energetically like are able to communicate to to lovers that you are a goddess or do you okay. ever have to spell it out no, well, no, I don't have to spell it out because I feel like I carry um, enough feminine energy and I'm, I'm a good person and I'm a humble person. I'm a sweet person, even though it may not sound like I'm all that humble right now, but you're asking me <laughs> questions, but I'm telling you what I think. You know? I know, this is good. This is good. Well, look, I think the idea of like a female music producer that has done i mean look i I know you've done uh releases and placements for beyonce pink and you know jessica simpson like you've had credits you've been in the business your website describes you as a dynamic musical force i mean how can you not think at some level that jesse jordan isn't a power to reckon with i don't know some people they get confused (laughs) i guess i don't know i feel like though i as a person, to be honest, I'm kind of separate from those things. Like those things have to be out in the world so that I can continue to work so that I can have a livelihood so that when I 
meet people. I don't really have to explain my entire life story. You kind of already know it because it's on the webpage. Um, as right. an introvert, I don't really like writing about myself. You know, it was very hard for me to come up with the website. I was like, ah, oh, do I really have to do this? Why do we even need websites? <laughs> yes, know? yes. Honestly, as I'm sitting there programming it, you know, I was just like, why do we even have to do this? I was thinking today, one of the thoughts I shared with my boyfriend, I was like, you know, I think the world probably could have done without this whole idea that everyone has to brand themselves. Because I feel like there's now such a disconnect between a person and their brand. Like, yes. Am I meeting you or am I meeting your brand? And do I want to meet your brand? Or like, do we have any authenticity left in the world? I think it's a little, I know, I don't know. It's, I, oh, this is the best it. rabbit hole ever. Keep going. Right? Torn because at a certain point capitalism is great and at a certain point capitalism is like steals your soul. So I'm just like, I don't know, what have we done to ourselves that now everyone is a brand and everyone is an influencer and everyone is marketing to everyone about everything all the time, every day, every moment of the day. Yes, yes, yes. And how do you capture? I mean, that's the thing. Attention. Attention. You know, I, I'm working with a life coach um, that and he's really uh, Spencer Burnett's his name. He's the reason that I really started this podcast. Um, and he always talks about attention being currency. Yes. Attention is Gary currency. Too. Right, right. And it's like, what do you at the end of the day? I think you have to be engaged with the work and just keep on. And maybe, maybe it takes longer now to make a, you know, like some people get lucky. Some people come up with a viral video or sensation and they, you know, have their quick 15 minutes, but like even 15 minutes, people won't give you 15 minutes nope. of fame anymore. Nope. It's a second. I mean, uh, it has I'm, to be fulfilling for yourself. There's no other way I think you can survive in this world if you are basing your life on fame. I just don't think it's possible. It's never been possible, which is why there have been so many like child, childhood actor suicides and yes, overdosing and going on drugs because they finally reached this pinnacle, this goal they'd be going for and realize it's empty and void and vapid and that as hard as they worked to get where they were, there were 12 people working twice as hard to take it from them. Right. The reality of succeeding at doing what you love, the shiny glitz and glamour of it all is just one side of the coin that they'd like to show you because they have to keep putting forth this narrative, this a fantasy, this glamorized American dream that we're all supposed to strive for so hard that our hearts give out and we die. Yes. Yeah. You know, can I ask you something? I, <laughs> I uh, honestly, this is what I, I, I want you to dispel a myth for me or at least intrigue me in a way that makes me think there's more to this than I even I understand. Uh, <laughs> so you've been in the music industry uh, and, you know, I mean, these are the, you, you've worked with like big name artists. Um, here's my number one question. Is Beyonce in the Illuminati? How am I supposed to know that? I'm not there. <laughs> there are levels to this thing, my friend. Are and there? I just yes, thought you might. Of course. Just like, any, just like in a corporation, there are levels to the thing. 
there are levels to this thing. And if she is, she did not pull me aside to tell me about it. <laughs> and I have not been invited. But, I, I mean, you, would it surprise you, honestly, if the 1% had a secret club? I mean, honestly, would it, would it surprise you? Probably not. But, you know what? It, it, what, it, what does interest me is that, like, so, okay, I'm going to get it really kind of weird here. Um, I had a friend of mine. He was like, Greg. You saw Lady Gaga. She left the industry. Remember, she was talking about how dark it was and how, you know, evil it was. She she wanted to stop doing music completely. And then she came back. And a lot of the conspiracy folk, and again, I think a lot of them are nuts. And a lot of them are like like <laughs> extremists. Like, especially conspiracy overlaps with like right-wing extremism these days, which is like really nuts but but a lot of them are like well beyonce or or what did they say they said oh yeah lady gaga's back but it's not even really her it's this clone version she got like they killed the real one they put in this new one that like worship satan all this stuff she had to sacrifice a lot and you know and now she's back and like because she, she was talking about the darkness in the industry so they had to get rid of her and i'm like what what is this narrative I mean, you probably, <laughs> again, different levels, different yeah. levels. I don't, I don't know how privy you would have been to the actual darkness and satanic rituals, but were you? No, unfortunately not. I would tell you, too. <laughs> would I'm, you? Yeah, I would tell you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I, I didn't witness any satanic rituals, but I mean, I feel like... Have you seen the documentary on the record? Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Mm. Who's that? Who's that about? It's uh, the documentary um, exploring the sexual assault and rape of top female executives in the music industry. By oh my gosh! I didn't Russell know about Simmons and Ellie Reed. Wow! Now I have not seen that. I have not seen that. Wow. Yeah. Check I'm that. sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure that speaks to, oh gosh, so there's so in, much. In my perspective, there are far worse things going on than who worships Satan, <laughs> you know? Right on the surface, yes, right, right. in right in front of us, absolutely. And why is it just Hollywood that's getting, like, I think I still am like, Me Too has to also go into corporate America. Like, it's Hollywood huge issue but also like where were all the people from like exxon mobile and Citibank and you know these other people that clearly there's no way it's just limited to hollywood this is a worldwide issue and yeah. i feel like a lot of people escaped the clutches of it just because hollywood names are so you know commercial i would agree i feel like it's worse in our industry for the sheer fact that these people get protected in a way that they probably wouldn't in corporate America. I mean, you can replace one CEO with another CEO mm. from another corporation, but the music industry is quite small and the people that protect them are sycophants for lack of a better word. Yeah. And they practically worship the people in place for what they've done with music. It's kind of like, kind of like a religion almost like the way people view these quote-unquote men of power it's wow. it, it's it's a sickness 
that. Is it still, do you think even still like in 2020 America, like it, it's still like that? There's still that going on? What? Sexual assault? Well, or, or just me. Well, yeah, obviously that's happening. I just mean like that, like reverence for like men of power in the industry. Oh, yeah. And I think <sighs> there was some exposure, but not enough done to eradicate it in my personal opinion. Things are exposed, but it hasn't completely been obliterated. There's still some kind of reverence for these quote unquote pioneers. There's still protection for them. And they have a lot of money. I mean, after LA was accused in this documentary, he raised $70 million to start his own label. He stepped down. Oh man! Stepped down from from his position and raised seventy million dollars. So he had enough friends to call and be like, "Hey, I'm losing my position because of." I'm sure he said it was a rumor. Because right. Right. Um, so I'm going to need like you know millions and millions of dollars to start a record label. I don't think in any other industry. I, I could be wrong. I don't think in any other industry that would have gone over like that that people would have readily turned over investment money to, but who knows? I mean, I don't know. I'm not there at that level. And in some ways it's like, as a creative entrepreneur, you're like, do you want to be? I don't know. Right. I don't know. know. We got to tread carefully here. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing about, you know, uh, like, what are people chasing? Like, mm-hmm. uh, man, I, 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 I've always found that sort of interesting. And this might be like, this, this is kind of like an interesting problem. I think this is like, for some people, I'm going to say something that might sound problematic, but here's what it is. I think sometimes that the idea of like equality doesn't like sometimes sometimes the thing that like people aren't being equal to is not something you want to aspire to like like you do not want to like to be to have the opportunity to become a ceo which statistically is not going to happen for women as much as it happens for men because of you know variety of reasons structural reasons like inequalities all that stuff is great but then imagine you like do step in you're a woman that does rise to the top and all of a sudden like you're hanging out with a bunch of these utter disgraceful men and human beings like and you're led into that boys club like is that a club you really to to go that like i just think it has to look different and feel different but still you have that much access and resources it's not that if we're looking at if the system is inherently uh what patriarchal like you don't want to rise to the top of the patriarchal system you just want to rise to the top of a completely new system yes yes and yes yeah that's that's sort of like and yeah i i don't know i feel like sometimes we we're losing track of i mean look I, i it's interesting like do you feel what is your relationship to being feminine and being someone that is a mover and a shaker in the industry. Like, I know there's a conversation about like, oh, well, if, you know, like if I have to be a woman and survive, like I I can't be too much of a bitch, right? Because that's like, that that's the thing you hear a lot. Like you're, I'm a woman, I'm not allowed to be a bitch or people are going to step on me. Um, 
like, how do you manage those forces? Like, how can you remain? Because you do sound very uh, approachable. And I think this speaks to what you were talking about before about like deceiving, maybe deceiving people, not like the brand versus the personality. Like, how do you navigate that in a space that often just is so bad to women? To be honest, I don't think of the myself as a brand. I know I should, and I've been working on trying to figure out what that's supposed to look like, but I just don't. I just operate as me. And my father was really good at preparing me for the world in terms of how to conduct myself, how to carry myself, how to be independent, how to rely on my own intellect, how to research, how to be smart about it. I also went to Columbia. That was a really great education for me, not just because I got to go to Ivy League University, but just how to deal with people, mm. all walks of life, because I grew up, like, my family was poor. They couldn't afford to put me through school. I had to put myself through school. But the guy, wow. you know, in, down the hall of my dorm had a Rolex and these penny loafers with actual pennies <laughs> in them and... You know, the Wall Street Journal every morning with his dorm and his dorm was immaculate because someone came to clean it for him. And, you know, the difference between his life and my life growing up was completely different. So for me, I just developed in a very, I guess, unique way. I think also because I'm not a very emotional person that I deal with logic and solving problems and I'm analytical about things. Not to say that I don't have feelings, because I do, but because I had gone through engineering school, which was predominantly male, mm-hmm. and to be honest, most of my friends growing up were predominantly males, I was very used to the environment, and I can hold right. my own. But also, I was also smart enough, you know, I, the, the ex that I told you about, we were production partners. So I was also smart enough to know that having a male production partner was going to be a tremendous asset for me. And also protection in those rooms. Because he, like me, grew up with no money. He grew up in the Bronx, New York. You know, there's a certain energy, yeah. attitude that the Bronx carries with it that you don't really want to mess with. Cardi B has a lot of that. But yes, that yes. like this big, you know, over six feet tall black guy saying, yeah, she's with me. So I, I say that to say that we navigate the world the best we can. And I feel like, of course, it's scary. There were still times it was, it was scary at the same time. I always use my intuition. So if I feel an ounce of maybe I shouldn't, I won't. Because Mm. that intuition is a gift. And I think sometimes we run into trouble when we don't listen to it. When we want whatever we perceive is on the other side of that door more than we want to listen to our intuition. And I've just never been someone to do that. And I think that's super important for women to hear also. If you have the slightest inkling that this will not turn out good, don't go. And I don't care how badly you want it for your career. I don't care about how a great opportunity this person is promising you or telling you it's going to be. Don't do it. Because there, be, there will be another. And I think that's also part of the problem. You know, a mm. lot of opportunities get dangled like carrots. If you do this, then you'll get this. 
But then that makes, we, we have to really examine our priorities. Do we really want it that badly? This is so interesting to me. This is this is a really interesting conversation in the sense that, um, you know, you're hitting on a lot of things here. Uh, I, I wonder, well, yeah, I, I let me speak to that for a second. I feel like there are just so many scams in the industry. <laughs> so many. I mean, starting with like Barbizon is a great example. <laughs> Right. Like I could do a whole like series on Barbizon, like the idea that you're in a shopping mall and these, you know, reasonably attractive young people are telling you that Ashton Kutcher was one of the models. And if you pay for this, it's going to be like, uh, has anybody ever really paid their, I mean, I actually did hear a story about Taylor Swift and her dad and how she kind of like climbed the top of the charts through iTunes. I don't know if how much this is a rumor or this is actually true, but like for her initial songs, I heard that her dad bought a lot of the like kind of the initial plays of those songs and albums. And that's kind of like kind of jump started that. Now that said, like, I don't know how you feel about T Swift and talent and whatnot, but that said, like, I don't think that's a typical thing. I think most people who are in this business actually have something to show for it and they also have a combination of like the, the classic thing like preparedness and luck um as well as like a creative vision that's unique do you think is there ever a world where anybody's possibly gone to like an agent that's like yeah you pay me first and then made it somehow like what is that that is people selling a dream and people being desperate enough to buy into it literally there's so much of that. There is still. So much of that because of the glamour, the allure, the dream of Hollywood, of making it, of entertainment. You even see that one of the things that disturbs me so much yeah, is lines of clothing designed for children that look grown. Aye. Perpetuating this dare I say borderline sexy look or just a glamorized look. When I first started seeing that, I'm like, why? 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 And have you seen the Twitter controversy that Twitter are calling for cancel Netflix? Well, I was going to, I was going to say, are we about to talk about cuties? We are about to talk to, I cannot. Yeah, that's now what is the deal? Because I, the last I saw, there was like the woman who created it. Her defense was that the show is about the very thing that people are mad about. I understand that, but just because something exists does not mean we need to make art imitate life. Because what that's going to do is send a signal to all 11 year old girls that this is okay. Yeah. And it's not. And I feel like entertainment has lost its moral compass, lost its responsibility to keep what is not for children away from children. And I'm yeah. sorry, did we have to, sh- did they have to show nudity on an 11 year old in order to drive the point across that little girls can dance? Really? Yeah. Really? The, the actual choices up. that were made in this film is the problem, not the concept. And for people right. to order it down to, oh, this is happening. Well, maybe it shouldn't be. But thank right. you for drawing our attention. So now we can go after everyone who's making this happen and make it, make it stop because it needs to stop. 
Yeah. I mean, it definitely, I, I'll tell you, like the conspiracy theorists love that this controversy is happening because it feeds everything they've been talking about. Yeah. So yeah. that's the that's where it's like, okay, on one level, like, yeah, this is like, a, it is like a disgusting thing and Hollywood's been doing it. Like Jamie Lynn, Sp- I mean, it, all these people that like, you know, child actors that like got damaged. And then on the other hand, it's also like, yes, and the left, Hollywood leftists are the sickos putting these kids out there in this way. And da 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 da. So <laughs> there should be a line 18. Okay. Can we just make the line 18? Can we all just agree? Yeah. What about Nickelodeon and Disney? Should they just like stop making child stars, you think? Mm, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I don't, it depends on, I don't know what exactly the labor laws or what's involved in making a child star. So I can't speak to that too much. I don't have um, any experience in that arena. But Do you I, think, uh, I, I think Miley is a very interesting case, Miley Cyrus. Um, and here's why. I kind of feel like everything she does now, when I see her in interviews, I'm like, there is something about her that is kind of like acting as if she doesn't ever want to be in the vulnerable position of someone that like everybody's kind of like secretly making fun of. I don't know if you pick up on this, Andrew. <laughs> I'm totally projecting this. Um, <laughs> I don't see that, but okay. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Like, like I think that the twerking was yeah. a response to, like, I'm no longer that little child. Well, so she like, way before the twerking with her, when she came out as, like, herself, there was some, I think And she was, like, smoking, right? Doing smoking, uh, the bong stuff was, like, when I really thought she was starting to, like, rebel against Disney. She had a music video, I don't remember what song it was for, but she was, like, in a cage and wearing, like, a leopard cat suit with the crop top. I mean, she started to tell us. But, I mean, that's just the same path. That's, like, a, that's a predestined path. You know, Christina Aguilera went through that so it's not all that shocking to me i guess it feels very overt it felt very overt when it happened yeah it's like it's done on purpose you know shock and awe shock and awe yeah i mean look i actually kind of dig her right now as like a person i just whenever i see her in interviews now i'm kind of like she almost plays like she's like too cool for the room still (laughs) and that's sort of what i'm speaking to like i'm like okay you know what like i sometimes i miss a little hannah i want a little more hannah montana in there i don't know let me grow up, Greg. Let me grow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just, uh, yeah, look, I, I just wish Hollywood didn't make her so jaded. I, I feel, um, uh, I mean, yeah. Come on. Could you, with everything that we just talked about, <laughs> is the yeah, reason she's jaded. Like, trying to navigate that and stay sane. And being an adult. I mean, look what happened to Michael and Jackson. Oh, my gosh. Like, can you imagine, like, People want something for you every moment of every day, and they never leave you alone. There's no such thing. Even though you're alone, you're lonely, and nothing right. is fulfilling. So that kind of existence, people find ways to cope, and she's found hers somewhat. 
Jasmine. Yeah. I had hope that her and Liam were going to work it out. It seemed like they were for like a second. But <laughs> I was going to, you know what? I, I also was kind of curious about like, you know, you, you're on your podcast, Love Talk Tuesday. You talk a lot about, um, you know, like what is love and, and these big questions of like, what does it mean to feel like you're in love and stuff like that? Um, how do you, Hollywood always has a really bad relationship with love partly for the press do you think like how does love in the entertainment industry actually work in your experience do you think a lot of it is manufactured for the audience oh absolutely i think a lot of it is a lot of it is um positioning so this person if you get with this person it'll help your career if you get with that person it'll hurt your career do this do that everything becomes manufactured because you cease to be a person and you become a product yeah this is the branding thing again i did want to i feel like that is such a you know i i really did want to circle back to that i know we've gone over the place but that's kind of the nature of the show so i appreciate that um uh yeah no i the branding thing is so ah man it is so much it is a lot (laughs) i asked this couple who's an interracial couple i asked them on their instagram yesterday how they met and the response was we're gonna make a video about that check out our youtube oh (laughs) my god no i literally put an emoji the emoji that has the slanted eyes and the slanted lips like really (laughs) you couldn't just tell me you met on an app you met in germany whatever your story it is you have to use it as an opportunity to drive us in me to your YouTube page, which I'm not going to, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about like, like, um, I mean, look, I hesitate to say it because literally like, as we're talking right now, I am doing the role and function of a content creator, but, <laughs> but uh, ho- I'm not just doing it. I hope at least I, I got to check my integrity. Um, I don't think I'm just doing it to be like an influencer or a content right. creator. Um, but this is like a position. This is like influencer content creator. Like what are these career paths? They are undefined, my friend. And what's going to be interesting. I just, I worry about mankind. <laughs> I yeah, tell me about where that. Where we're going, where we're going, what we're doing. You know, now we're we're starting children off. You know, everybody wants to be Ryan because Ryan made twenty-seven million dollars last year. So now everybody's starting YouTube pages for their kids, and they're having their kids make videos. And I'm just like, yes, doing this. Should we really be doing this? And of course, the kid wants to do it because they see it and it looks fun, exciting. But we're when we reach that point where he or she doesn't want to do it anymore, will we let them stop? Will we let them develop naturally? And is there a such thing as developing naturally now? Because we're so inundated and influenced by everything we see every moment of the day. Yes. I don't know. I don't yes. know. Jesse, the thing that makes me the most nervous is uh, you know, what they <laughs> Great documentary for those who haven't seen it. And this is a reason not to cancel Netflix just yet. Uh, The Social Dilemma. Did you watch that? I haven't. Is it good? Should I watch it? Should I watch oh, yeah. It? Oh, yeah. Because it's got all these tech guys, like like the person that created Pinterest and the co-founders of the Facebook like button, which I didn't even realize was like a title you could have. But yes, like these people that were, and uh, it, it kind of focuses on someone that, 
is uh, in charge, was like an ethicist at Google and wrote an internal document about uh, how he felt that Google and technology was starting to veer off in the wrong direction. So everything up to that point, like technology was really helping solutions like computers and the internet were actually serving a function, bringing people together, getting information just more streamlined and out to people, um, just saving people time in a really efficient way. And then once human beings started becoming the product for these companies, that's when the change happened. And this film goes really into like people being like, yeah, I created this and even I could not get off my phone when I came home to my wife and kids. And I knew what these apps were doing because I did it. I made this. That's the level of being stuck in uh, someone put up a photo of like Plato's cave. I saw on Instagram, like the, the modern version of the allegory, like everybody just like kind of looking down at the phone in a line and not waking up. Like that is it. It's a dopamine hit. Um, that said, I know I'm addicted to it. And I know that like, if somebody reaches out to me, it's like, Greg, that was a great podcast. Like, I, yeah, it's going to give me pleasure. And I enjoy pursuing that at some level, but I also know how short lived it is. And I really know at a deep, deep level. And I think you know this too, that a culture built on chasing quick dopamine hits is one that will crumble. Yep. I mean, we all know everyone not everyone, but so many people struggle with anxiety and depression and loneliness and suicide rates have increased. And it's a monster. To be honest, the only dopamine hit I get is Texas from my, <laughs> that's my dopamine hit. But I'm also someone who's given this a lot of thought. So I know I'm an anomaly. I'm not, you know, I'm the exception. I'm not the rule with this. And if, it, I don't know how we can strike the balance because at a certain point, we need the attention to grow the good we're putting in the world. Yes. And as a woman, this is something I struggle with. You know, if you look on my page, you don't see very much, you know, because I don't want to be objectified. But how do I compete with freaking Cardi B who will show you all the things? <laughs> It's, you right. know, number one song in the country literally has a man in the sample, in the background going, there's some hoes in this house. And we, <sighs> the whole world is celebrating, like, this is a musical masterpiece. Is that, is, did she also kind of get around it by being like, oh, well, the point of this is obviously that this is what sells. Like, do you buy that too? Or do you think like she knows exactly yeah. what she's doing? I mean, I'm not, of course she knows what she's doing. Hello, why do you think she brought, it, it's the same game reason why she brought the breast implants and got the butt injections in the first place. It is what sells. The appetite for, for sex and sexual things will never die as long as there, you know, exist men. But yeah. the fact that it's so large stream and acceptable and now it's being, it's being hailed as this, you know, feminine sexuality liberation thing. But I don't know if I entirely agree with. Yeah, this is the hot take I wanted on this interview from Jesse it's Jordan. Like, it's like, really? Can I be sexually liberated and not discuss WAP? Can, can, can WAP just be for <laughs> private things and I still feel liberated? 
I would love to see an artist do that. And I'm sure there will be someone that like does a song that still hits on like the quote unquote good intentions behind it, but doesn't feel the need to just put that in everyone's faces. I, I absolutely believe what it's possible. To, what happened to suggestion? You know, what happened to the imagination? Little, no. You know, you know, I'm about that. I mean, that's what <laughs> hypnosis is. That's what it is. Like, what happened to the suggestion of intimacy without straight up here's the lab? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um. Well, I mean, look, I've, it's certainly. Do you do you think um, love has changed because of things like this? Oh, like, absolutely. do you think, like, how on a daily basis do you think, like, when men go out and women and pursue their lovers, like? Like, how has Hollywood's influence really still damaged the psyche of the hopeless romantics? Hmm. Well, for one, I think these younger, younger generations of teenagers that are growing into young adults, they don't know how to really connect to themselves, first and foremost, whereas where true love has to begin and therefore not to be able to connect to their partner, not in any real way, because nobody's being real anymore. Everybody's walking around with these empty shells, like empty walnut shells knocking into each other, hoping wow. to make it work. But how can they? I was gonna ask you about this because you, know, you recently released a song called Circles. <laughs> and in circles, I, I think I read maybe one of your press releases was talking about how it's a it's it's kind of about the <laughs> I really love this actually because it like appeals to my like kooky like theme park kind of mind. Like, first of all, like a lot of the imagery you have associated with the release is like is literal circles and the whirlwind of it. Um, but you know, I, I think <laughs> which I love, which I love. I mean, it is like going on a carnival ride, which is awesome. But a lot of relationships and moments are like this. And and from what I understand about the song, and you can absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it's kind of about on one level, you're talking about like knowing that the relationship isn't there, that you're going, like things aren't going to work out, but still playing the game of will it or won't it? And that kind of like riding the ride of that. What I found interesting about that though, Jesse, is also you mentioned like, it's about the circles of being in love with someone else, but also like the circles with self-love, like, I, how does that work with your, like, how does, how do you get into a game like that with yourself? What does that actually look like? Well, it's complicated as humans always are. Because I, here's what I find most interesting about people. Most people are not very introspective. But there are moments in time that they are. And I think the pandemic sort of brought that more so out of people than ever before. Yet, they tend to, after that moment of introspection, put all that knowledge that they could have gained about self away by distracting themselves with TV or the internet or sex or drugs or alcohol or whatever the case may be. And then they go and do what they would normally do. 
it doesn't actually create an off-ramp for them to change anything. And that's why I always say humans are the biggest X factor in anything because yes. things could be so simple in our lives if we just change just a few things here and there. But no, because of human behavior and a lot of it's ego, ego born from low self-esteem or no self-esteem or insecurity or lack of love as a child or whatever the case may be. We just keep doing the same things over and over and over again. Never thinking, even if we think we're wrong, it's only for a second. And sometimes if we want to change it, we feel powerless to do so because we don't want to feel bad because sometimes change feels bad. It's not what we used to. And oftentimes we're imitating a cycle that wasn't even ours. Our first, usually our first major relationships are imitations of what we saw between our parents. That's mm. why you have avoidant attachment styles and anxious attachment styles and not enough people with healthy attachment styles. Breaking the cycle is hard, but it must be done if you want to be happy or you can find someone who's toxic like you are in the exact same way, which I don't recommend, but you know, I can't yeah. each to each their own. I'd rather not have that for sure. Wow. You are definitely like, here's what I find fascinating about you. I feel like this engineering background really made a difference. I really do because he, <laughs> I really do because I'm like for some, somehow you got to like levels in the in your in your rising in the industry and you are balanced in like academia like like your grounding is based on like scientific principles and psychological understandings that allow you to still participate i mean i interviewed somebody else like this who came from my hometown and is out in uh, los angeles and i i i think you know i we talked a lot about how like she really understands the matrix of it which allows her to play in it rather than be a victim of it. And that's what I feel like you're able to do. Like you're looking at this like, hey, look, I see the illusion in the glamour and I know how to play with it a little bit, but I'm not going to be susceptible to it even in my interpersonal relationships because at the end of the day, like you just have a, I don't know, like a, a, a strong engineer's intuition about the way things actually work is this true yeah. at all or am i completely based in fantasy no you're you're true and i'm i just i'm determined to stay grounded in what's real in and what's important in life because at the end of the day we all want the same things we want happiness we want health we want to be loved and we want to love completely that's really the simple like that's the simpleness of humankind and everything that people choose is in an effort to gain one of those four things. And they go about it in all kinds of crazy ass ways. Yes, yes. All kinds of ways. But it's really what we want. And sometimes even when they find it, they push it away because it's this double-edged sword. I want it, but am I good enough to receive it? I want it, but is this really it? I want it, but can I have it? Wow. How did you not get lost? I'm impressed. I want to know like how things kept going right for you. I don't know. 
know that they had, to be honest. I mean, I am, I am not Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> but, but not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I love that you put a yet in there. Thank you for that, Greg. That was super kind. I received that. I received that. I think that's it. <laughs> that's, I have always been a spiritual person. Um, yeah. I, I did grow up in a church. My grandfather was a preacher. I was a Christian for a long time. I don't identify as Christian now because I, I don't go to church and I don't agree with everything that they teach the fire and the brimstone and the hell and the damnation. I don't agree with yeah. all of that now. I'm sort of, I've always been a seeker of truth and a seeker yes. of peace. And I didn't get a lot of peace from those concepts. But as I've been on my journey, I've got a lot of peace from listening to different teachers, I guess they're called. There's Abraham Hicks, and I really loved the message of The Secret, although I did feel it was somewhat incomplete. Oh, yeah. What's going on with that? What's What's it missing for all my listeners out there? What is The Secret missing, you think? The Secret is missing like the co-creation. You are a co-creator with the universe. The universe doesn't do it for you. It's not really a genie. It's your partner. I like to say the universe is my sugar daddy. <laughs> Yo, is that a song that's coming out? Because I would definitely buy, listen to that. I, I didn't even realize I said that. And did you know how Facebook will remind you of something you said? And it yeah. showed me the other day. And I'm like, I am hilarious. Like, that is funny as hell. Universe is your sugar daddy. That is so, that is, <laughs> guess what the title of this episode is going to be? <laughs> yeah. No, I, <laughs> I love it. But yes. why not? Because I feel like the missing part is that you still have to do your part. Your part is the research. Your part is making phone calls or writing emails or being thoughtful. Your part is what you do. But at the same time, you also have to have the mindset that you deserve it, that you can have it, that if you do your part, the universe is going to do its part. And that's hard for people, that you deserve its part. Even this last couple of years, I've been on this journey to really understand self-love because a situationship I was in at the end of December ended after five months, and the person literally stopped talking to me. And I was like, I thought we were going to be friends. Hey, go one second. Okay, Google, thank you. I thought we were going to be friends afterwards, but no, literally stopped talking to me. I was just like, what? And so I was talking to one of my friends about it because I was what I consider to be reasonably upset. And he said, oh, honey, you just need to love yourself. And I said, well, I don't think being upset that this happened means I don't love myself. But just in case I'm misinformed, please tell me what it means to love myself. Give me the practical steps. And yes. I will do that. Give me the Nobody know I I hear that all the time and I never hear practical steps. They're, Rarely. They, they literally silence when I ask the question. So I asked another friend, how do I love myself? What what do I do? Practically speaking, tell me. Zero knowledge whatsoever and these are people who i loved but i can see the amount of dysfunction in their lives the kind of partners they chose the fits of rage they would have every once in a while I'm like i'm asking the wrong people yes <laughs> yes people so let me go out and talk to other people who seem like they might have a clue of what this self-love thing is 
And I just went on this journey to find out what self-love is and what real love is so that I could attract it in a way that was healthy. Because I, I had been in my other partner, I was 22 when we got together and we were together over a decade. So for me, I had really only known one adult relationship in my life. And I'm like, and then I got into that situation ship and that, and I was like, what is this new world I'm in? No, 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 no. Yeah, I don't yeah. understand. You know, and I feel like I have a quite healthy self-esteem. I feel like I love myself adequately. But there right. were still some areas to learn, to learn about, you know. I learned about attachment style. And so I, did, I went on a journey to figure everything out. And that's how my show came about, the podcast, because the people that I talk to on my show are the friends that I talked to and had these amazing conversations with. And I had the idea to do this podcast a year and a half ago, but I just wasn't emotionally ready to, mm. to put it out there, to have the conversations because I was afraid, honestly, Greg, that I would sit there and cry. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I felt like I needed to heal from the situation ending and like put myself back together and just sort of breathe a little while before I actually started being able to have these talks as a person who's not sitting there sobbing. So wow, that would have been an interesting show too, though. I, no! I would have all, not for <laughs> not not with you necessarily, but I would I do like the idea of someone sobbing through their entire podcast. Like that's I new. That, how Oprah became famous? She was like crying that Stedman wouldn't marry her. Oh my god! I should have yeah. done it. I should have done it, Greg. I'd be Oprah right now. Look, look. If you want to cry on the air, it's totally fine. Just don't blame me for it. Oh, no. Well, you know, I have to cry on my own show. She cried on her own show. It was oh, just, okay, okay, okay. Cried and whined every single day, I heard. I, but, uh, um, I've I been crying. over well this day and age, though. What, crying on your show? Every single day. I mean, every single time, yeah. I don't think that would Yeah, that'd be, that'd be kind of interesting, though. I mean, in this age of branding, like, I would find it refreshing to see an Instagram page of somebody just, like, it's just emotions, but then that would become a commoditized brand. And then, you know, it'd get ruined because everybody would start doing that too. It's like, what does it, uh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, uh, so your show, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, uh, I, I like the honesty. I like the questions that you ask on it. Um, I definitely think it's possible to, love all your exes. I know that was kind of an <gasps> interesting thing from your last episode. No, 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 Greg. To be clear, he didn't say he loved all his exes. He said he was, the, okay, so the viewer asked the question, when is the last time you were in love? And he replied, I am probably still in love with all my exes. Oh, that's kind of strange. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, what? And then in my, love. Yes. Then my viewers went in because they wanted clarification onto what he was saying. Like, what? Yeah. What what do you I mean, was he romantically still like like if one of those exes was like, hey, let's let's get back together, you think he would have jumped? To hear him tell it no, because they had good reasons for breaking up. Yeah. But in love, in love, I don't know. When I am in love, I am so a thousand percent in. I have to hold myself back. I don't know how somebody can be in love with five people, but that's just me. I know each and every one of us is different. And I, you know, as an INTJ, the T stands for thinking. So I'm much more of a thinker and I would think my way out of being in love with someone. 
You would think your way out? Yes, I'd think my way out of that nonsense. Yeah, do you ever, I, well, I, I, want, I meant to ask you, like, for people listening, what are the, are there practical steps to self-love? Did you find them? Oh, yes. It requires a lot of thinking, though. For you, for you or for everyone, you think? I think for everyone, because I believe, much like law of attraction, your thoughts precede your emotions, so your feelings follow. Like, if you get upset about something, it's because of something you thought first. Most people kind of skip over that or glance over it or don't realize that that's how it works normally. So for me and for most anyone, I think there was this great TED talk that I listened to after the situationship ended and it was how to get over a broken heart. And I was like, good, this is exactly what I need. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Breaking it down. Yes. yes I can't get clearer finally. than that. Logic. Good. I'm in for it. So the guy said, the problem with having a broken heart is that you then repeat in your mind all the good things that happened between you and that person. And you're mourning the loss of this dream. Well, in order to get out of a broken heart, to get healed from it, you just got to repeat and make a list of all the bad things about that. Wow. All interesting. The all the things that didn't work and why it didn't work and repeat that the same way you would repeat, repeat the good things. And then before you know it, it stops hurting. And it's absolutely 100% true. That's what you did. Now, wait yeah. a minute. Does this lead to self-love, you think? Well, I think it was part of the process because, number one, I had, to, um, I had to dream a different dream for myself that no longer included that person. Because mm. that's what happens when you're falling for someone. You start dreaming a dream in your life that includes them. So then I have to, had to up all my dreams I had for myself individually. What do I want? What does Jesse want? What makes Jesse happy? You know, so we were going to go Belize together. Okay, does Jesse want to go to Belize? No? Okay, throw that out. Where does Jesse want to go? You know? Right, right. So those are the practical steps for me, really self-examining. Because I'm not someone who likes to travel a lot, but this person was a pilot. So he sort of... Be, like became the catalyst for me imagining myself traveling all over the world and so now I have this I had this new desire I guess that no longer fit into the dream with that person so then I'm like okay do I really want to travel or did I just want to travel with him kinds of introspective conversations yeah yeah. You know I've never thought about this before but the idea of self-love could mean for some people and often should mean waking up from illusions that you had because self-love you know i think there's it's very easy to conflate self-love with this idea of secret kind of stuff like okay well i'm going to imagine the best version of myself and the most successful version of myself and like i'm going to achieve this and here's my ideal person da, 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 da. because we associate these kind of situations like love is like a very it's a loaded word and it for often people it can mean something very positive but the idea of looking something really straight on like like looking at yourself in the mirror and being like huh 
I need to change uh, an eating habit or I need to, you know, like even my hair, I've been walking around with terrible hair. Like I need to cut it. So I look more attractive to the world or myself even like facing myself first, more attractive to myself first. Right. Facing the ugliness. Because your girlfriend didn't like your haircut. So you stopped wearing your hair the way you like to wear it. Or right. you put less product in because she didn't like the way it felt when she rubbed her fingers through your hair. Things right. like that. Right. And I just think, you know, I think that uh, at the end of the day, like self-love can mean directly facing the ugliness in yourself that you didn't want to confront. Like looking at that truthfully could me a high act of self-love and people don't intuitively think that way. Also, I don't want to call it ugliness. I just call it like developments. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm just a little bleeder have- for the sake of, you know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> keeping, I'm, keeping I'm, the listeners interested. Um, yes. Writer, I am so into words and what they mean. And I believe that words have power in your life. Yeah, they have an energy, right? They do. They absolutely do. And I feel like I'm very careful with the words I use. Oh, you should be. As, as a, we're all in hypnosis constantly, and every word is a suggestion. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So if I want, I have to be kinder to myself than I would be to anyone. And normally for me, my nature is for it to be the opposite. So I'm really hard on myself when it comes to accomplishing things and doing things fast. So I have to try to be gentle with myself. Like, it's okay. You didn't do five million things today. It's all right. right. If you're tired. It's okay. Take a nap. It's all right. If you don't want to answer the phone right now, it's okay. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, I I, I got uh when I was studying hypnosis, I I did a weekend kind of like event with this woman, Dr. Yvonne Oswald, lover, uh, in Niagara Falls, Canada, and she has this book that I definitely think you'd love called Every Word Has Power. And the entire weekend, what she had us do was change what she called, and this is, it, it's a little woo-woo, but you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll go with this, um, <laughs> low vibration words into high vibration words, and we had to check each other. Like, like if we were like, oh yeah, this is bad, she'd be like, uh, uh, it'd be like, okay, yeah, this is not good. Because even, you know, that... I, I, again, this is kind of scientifically dubious, but hypnotists at least believe that the subconscious mind doesn't process negative words. Yeah. So if you say not good, your, your subconscious is still hearing good as opposed to bad. And I guess that does relate to the seeker too, but on a more visceral, like day-to-day level, even weight loss, she said, like, don't call it like if you're a hypnotist, like helping people with weight loss, call it weight release. And that was like, oh, that's it's like a little different, but at the same time, like it has a more positive kind of connotation to it and energy than gotta lose this. I gotta lose this weight. I gotta lose it. It's no, I'm gonna release this to the world. Uh, I it was very interesting, and yeah, being around her, every word she said was it was never like negative it was not positive uh it was just and it just was a different thing so it definitely uh i i i see the value of it even like in a day-to-day like 
you know, some people just talk really negatively. And I think there is a place for those negative words. But if you can draw your conscious mind to the way that you are regularly communicating, uh, it is a direct highway between like what your mouth is expressing and what you're feeling inside often that people aren't even aware of. Mm-hmm. And also then to take it one step further, what you're feeling inside, what you're expressing, what energy you're putting out to the world and therefore what energy the world gives back to you. Yes. Yes. I want to take it a little step further with her, her word thing. I think even for some people, they have to change it to a word that means something to them. Mm. So maybe word, maybe weight release wouldn't actually trigger anything for anyone. So maybe right. they have to come up with their own word. Maybe the word is, you know, toning, slimming, or weight escape, or... Yeah, I love that. Or not using weight at all, because maybe weight is too loaded for someone. Totally. So maybe I like redesigning, reconfiguring. Redesigning, yes. Body redesign, I feel that like. Doesn't that doesn't sound delicious. It sounds very Los Angeles. This is what it sounds like. <laughs> no, I'm opening a body redesigning studio, darling. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh my gosh, Jesse Jordan. You know what? I I I very much enjoyed talking to you. You are definitely insightful. Um, we're gonna link to your song Circles. It is very catchy. Uh, you know, I mean, I I I definitely look, guys. You had her before she became Beyonce. Mm-hmm. on the Open Loops podcast, jessiejordan.com, uh, or she already is Beyonce, and you don't even know it yet. Um, yes, Jesse Jordan, music producer, songwriter, recording artist, author, podcaster, but more importantly, dynamic musical force, more importantly, a creative entrepreneur, and most importantly, sugar baby for the universe. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> yes, yes. I love it. You, you've been an amazing guest. I really have enjoyed talking to you, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed talking to you, too. We can do this again sometime. Absolutely. And listen to Love Talk Tuesday, available on all the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, um, you know, I mean, Anchor. It is... It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you sharing yourself with me, Jesse, and, and your stories. And, yeah, I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, what, what you, where you go next with all your artwork and passions. Thank you, Craig. This has been a, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Take care. You too. Bye-bye, everybody. What'd she do? She inspired you, right? Did she inspire you? How about all that vocal fry I was giving you at the beginning of the episode? Sort of now, too, right? A little bit of that. It's kind of soothing, right? That's because I'm imagining that I'm actually the universe. And I'm like a sugar daddy. And imagine like a sugar daddy universe is like speaking with vocal fry a little bit. Huh. It's kind of a cool metaphor. I was thinking about like... Could the universe be my sugar mama? Never thought about that. Sugarmommy.com. Law of attraction. The law of attraction sugar daddy angle is uh, very unique to Jesse Jordan. And I mean, hey, 
What a creative mind. I'm excited for her. I'm excited. Uh, she's actually working on an album called Dreamer that is uh, going to be all her stuff. Her first album that has all the uh, all the collected work together. I'm like Jesse. She's very humble. She's very energetic. And I think she added the kind of loopiness to the conversation just naturally we kind of looped around we were like went all over the place um i loved it it was a great it was a perfect open loops kind of conversation and i hope to definitely have it again thanks jesse for coming on thank all of you for listening keep dreaming keep eating sugar talk to you later